Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the July 30th episode. We are more than halfway through the year. I just doesn't feel like it's crazy. I know. I know. And we're flying through the Bible. We started in Judges. Judges 7 through 13. I accidentally read into 14. Well, that's because we had to stop in the middle of Samson, which I almost kept reading. I I know. That's exactly what happened. I read another a line and I was like oh my gosh this makes so much sense well, now I can't talk about it okay mm-hmm. Seven. Oh, mm-hmm. yes okay okay so you know I've been fasting mm-hmm. and one of the things that I feel like God started doing almost immediately was bringing me to a place where like I could see my bad attitude or like my bad whatever that I was bringing into situations where mm-hmm. God wanted me to love people. And instead of feeling condemned, I was more like restful in his presence, kind of like, okay, Lord, this is this, you see all of this and this is who I am and this is what I'm bringing. And this is what I desire for you to change in me. And yeah, this is on you. (laughs) Yeah. And he's been really like gracious about all of that. Well, I just discovered recently as I've been experiencing like frustrations, what's happening is that like, it's just becoming more and more intensified. The amount of baggage and garbage I bring into situations has become way more visible to me. Like I just, I'm way more aware of how much flesh I bring into conversations and all of that. And, um, haven't had as much grace for myself in that I've been more frustrated about Mm -hmm. it than anything else. And then But in a conversation I was having with some people the other day, I was like, but this is like, when you look at it in terms of Gideon or Jacob, who we've been studying, like these are people like Gideon was incredible. Like he was, he was incredible. And yet at the end of the day, Gideon made an ephod from all this and put it on Orpha, his hometown. Then all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there. And it became a snare to Gideon and his household. Mm -hmm. Like, that okay, so I'm I'm just gonna jump to I have to that the the chapter that nobody read in Judges on Samson when it says that um, but Samson told his father get her for me she's the right one for me now his father and mother did not know this was from the Lord who wanted the Philistines he wanted the Philistines to provide an opportunity for a confrontation. Samson's flesh is all wrapped up in his spirit filled life. And God is using that flesh to propel his plan forward. And he doesn't need my perfection, nor does he want my perfection Mm -hmm. because then he wouldn't need Jesus. Like he Mm -hmm. just wants me and all of my flesh to be rested in him. Like he just desires rest for us. And so it's kind of been like this realization that, you know, when I ask God for humility, I always ask him to be gentle because Humility usually comes with a giant, awful, hurtful fall. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a part of me that's like, I think that this might be a gentle humbling. You are crappy and I am God <laughs> and I love you. Yeah. And look what I can do with you. Look yeah. what I can do with you and all of your crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, Gideon's story was that I was like, oh, all of our stinking heroes are crap. All right. That's right. All that's right. That works. That's the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I like that been super comforting and it's everywhere. And I think being in the middle of it is really just gives good application. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. So right after we read about Deborah last week, then we come to chapter nine, verse 54. He quickly called his armor bearer and said, draw your sword and kill me or they'll say about me. A woman oh, yes. killed him. I feel like that. Millstone. Oh, like that's why it was such a big deal when Deborah said, mm-hmm. you can, you can do this, but a woman's going to get credit for it. And mm-hmm. how shameful it would have been for Sistera to have been killed by killed by a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And then eleven. Were you mean. like so I Jephthah? I love that he's the son of a prostitute and he is preaching the word. He's like <laughs> he's the son of a prostitute who's been banned and outcast. And yep. he knows the history. Three hundred years. Like he's recounting hundreds of years of history to these people. And he was like, this is my God. Why would you come against me and my God? Kind of thing. Yeah. The guy who's been like, like hit the people of God don't even want anything to do with him. And now Mm -hmm. he's like, God is so good. He's so good to the outcast. Yeah, man. We talk, we see that in acts this week too. Like that constant, like bringing the outsiders in. That's what's happening in acts this week. You're quiet. Do you have, do you have anything that you love? So one of the things that stuck out to me, I think judges this week, I just enjoyed the story of it, but mm-hmm. I'm usually pretty hard on the Israelites. <laughs> the end of 10 though, this is after, hold on, let me get my bearings. So we have a couple like short little snippets of judges after Abimelech. And then they go back to doing evil in God's sight. And all these countries come to war against Israel and the Isra- people of Israel. This is the end of 10 verse 15. The people of Israel said to God, we've sinned, do to us whatever you think best, but please get us out of this. Mm. Then they cleaned house of the foreign gods and worshiped only God. And God took Israel's troubles to heart. It's repent. That's Israel repenting. It's them recognizing this is happening because of us. Like we're, there's no anger at God for the consequences because they recognize that they brought it all on themselves. And it makes me think about Jeremiah this week too. Yes. One of, maybe I should wait until we get to Jeremiah. Well, there is one thing that I think you're going to love that I want to talk about in judges. Go ahead. Before we judges. Go ahead. Okay. Do you know who Amalek, do you know who um, Amalek is? Okay. I did some, go ahead and talk. Okay. We talked last year about this because you noticed Eliphaz. In, yes. In Genesis. Yep. And I did some looking into it because we're studying that. This is the, this is the week that we're studying Esau's descendants. Eliphaz is one of Esau's, is for his first son, I think, first or second son. Mm-hmm. So Eliphaz is his son. So I kind of followed those cross-references. I think I even looked up a couple of articles. Issachar's son is Job. Issachar is one of Job, his, one of his sons' he's names from that. translates as Job in another, in okay. a few other um, translations of the... Old Testament. Hmm. So Job, there's a thing that something that Eliphaz says to Job, I think in the later chapters is like, um, 
I'm older than your father, basically, which makes sense because Esau had his sons at 40. Jacob didn't even start having his sons mm -hmm. until he was 70. So Eliphaz is like, or, I'm older. Yeah, I think he says, I'm older than your father. Yeah, because does. Jacob Issachar and Esau were twins. Is, he would have been older than Issachar. He would have been older. That's when he says to Ella, he says to Issachar, right? Joe, okay. Yes, I'm older than your father. So he's older than Issachar, which makes sense. And uh, anyway, all of that to say, like, I was, so I'm kind of in this place where I'm like, okay, I'm going to just start to like play with that and kind of read it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. At any rate, it was kind of neat to see Eliphaz um, now to read, because I was like, I'm going to pay attention to Amalek now, because Amalek is Eliphaz's first son. And if you think about like the characters that they play in Job, Eliphaz, like both of these guys, Job and Eliphaz are clearly in this place where they don't quite know Yahweh. They worship him, mm -hmm. but they don't yet know his character. Right. And Job's heart is softened enough to be able to hear it from God. And Eliphaz is like, no, God acts like all the rest of the gods, which is like, you do good, you get good, you do bad, you get mm -hmm. bad. Like, and so just that, um, I think at the end, does Ella, does God bring back the three friends and do they repent or do, is there restoration for them? There's something that happens. I think there is. I think too. so. Yeah. But anyway, all of that story playing together, I was just like, that's kind of cool. So anyway, looking at um, um, Amalek, because I remember that Am Amalek becomes kind of an enemy of he's a big like thorn in their side. So yeah, here we see that. And that, so just to clarify, Amalek would be a descendant of Esau. His grandson. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. His grandson. Yeah. Very interesting. So Samson, there's a line when, um, Samson's mom goes to her, goes to Samson's dad to tell him about the angel that visits mm -hmm. her and the way she describes the angel. I don't know how it is in whatever translation you're using. But it says, a man of God came to me. He looked like the angel of God, terror laced with glory. And oh. I thought, huh, that's a really cool description. Yeah. Because like you, you can't, I don't think as humans, we could, we can help feeling terror if an angel of God appeared before us. Like that would be terrifying. Which Whether, is like the equivalent of God here, right? Like at the end of the day, like they believe I, they've seen God. Yeah. Yes, I think so. Which I think fits what I actually was like, I think this is what it is. Right when he says, I am, are you the man who spoke to my wife? He says, I am. Mm. And then when he asked them what his name is, he was like, you wouldn't understand my name. If I, anyway, I think I totally interrupted what you were saying. Yeah. No, Sorry. just that, that, that description, terror laced with glory. Yes. I thought was a good one. It's so much like the story of Mary and Joseph. I feel like there's yes. so many parallels between Mary and Joseph. Yes. Like it can't be a mistake. There's some yeah. like there's something there, but we're doing the Bible reading plan, so we're not gonna dig far into that if it doesn't yeah. pop up. Yeah, there's definitely a similarity in all right, Jeremiah twenty through twenty-six is where we were this week. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of writing in Jeremiah. Oh my gosh. I feel like this was like a big week where I just got a ton of revelation. Like I was just, everything I was reading, I was like, this is deep. This is so deep. Like for instance, mm -hmm. God says to Jeremiah that the, the good people are the ones who are going into captivity. He's like, these are the, the figs are really good. Yes. Those okay. are the ones going to captivity. These are really bad and they're going to get God's wrath. And I was look, thinking about the fact, like when you look at the ark, and the way that God destroyed the earth or he dealt, he judged the world. 
he took the righteous and he put them in the ark and then he poured out his wrath. He always poured, he always saves the righteous from his wrath. Mm-hmm. The righteous never experienced God's wrath, which has been something that's really helped. Like it stumped me and has kind of informed my eschatology. Like from the beginning is this idea that like, no, his people will not experience his wrath. So then I was like looking at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, Babylon became an ark. Of yes. Sorts. That whole idea that when God's wrath is poured out, it's for the protection of his people. Okay. So in Jeremiah yes. 23, like he can't handle them having to deal with it anymore. Like he's trying right. to so that whole, the evil around them. Right. He, okay. Where was the section where he talks about the figs and that? Oh, here it is. 24, the very beginning of 24. So, okay. In 23. Okay. It's like, I have to read this whole section starting in verse 15. I mean, I don't want to read the whole thing. But he's talking about the prophets that were in Samaria, the people that the prophets in Jerusalem that were false, like they're just preaching false, false, false. And then in verse 15, he says, um, the Jerusalem prophets are behind all this. They're the cause of the godlessness polluting this country. So like God recognizes, like he sees all of it. He knows Mm -hmm. who's on his side and who is not. So like, yes. Israel is not this whole big jumble of people that God doesn't know who loves him and follows him and who doesn't. So God, so then right after that, he says, don't listen to the sermons of the prophets. It's all hot air, lies, lies, more lies. They make it all up. They preach their everything will turn out fine sermon to congregations with no taste for God. There nothing bad will ever happen to you sermon to people who are set in their ways. Have any of these prophets bothered to meet with me, the true God? Bother to take in what I have to say, listen to, and then lived out my word. Look out. God's hurricane will be let loose. My hurricane blast spinning the heads of the wicked, like, to- like tops. Then, okay. Where was that in, in 24, the basket of figs. God told me, this is the message from the God of Israel. The exiles from here that I've sent off to the land of the Babylonians are like the good figs. I'll make sure they get good treatment. I'll keep my eye on them so their lives are good and I'll bring them back to this land. I'll build them up, not tear them down. I'll plant them, not uproot them. I'll give them a heart to know me, God. They'll be my people and I'll be their God for they've returned to me with all their hearts. Just like what you were saying, God is pouring his wrath out. He recognizes that those prophets in Jerusalem, they're they're his people, right? Like they're Mm -hmm. Israelites. And yet- like you said, he takes them out and he sends them to Babylon, which in their minds, this is other, this is also another example of that whole, like God working behind the scenes and we don't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. We can't see it until, you know, way yes. after the fact, hindsight that God's yes. like, I'm actually taking them to Babylon to protect them while I yes. destroy these Jerusalem prophets. That are and here. it's painful. Like, right. like their rescue is painful. Like just like God, well, God brings them around the long way in the wilderness because yeah. I can't, they're not going to be able to handle the pain of going through these, these lands of people. So he takes it like exile in general as a rescue was his hand of protection. What? Mm-hmm. Right. What? Exactly. That whole, like God's ways are not our ways. Like I would never do it that way. Yes. But or I ask cannot, for it to be done that way. Right. But like the fact that I cannot presume to think that my way is better than his way or that just because it doesn't, I don't understand. I'm not supposed to understand it. You know what I mean? Like that rest. He wants us to rest. Yeah. He wants us to rest. I feel like, was that in this part or was this last week that I was talking about that again? I can't remember what I share with the church versus you, but 
that idea that he calls them to repentance for so much. And then at one point he's just like, if you will just yeah, obey the Sabbath, if you'll just, obey yes, the we Sabbath, talked about that. I think. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And that whole idea that that trusting in him, in fact, we were just reading this. It came up in our, it came up in our Bible study last night. And I feel like this is just a theme that keeps coming up and over and over that just this Sabbath idea. But in the context of what you're talking about, which is that we can't know when we're in the middle of it, the story that God's writing and Mm -hmm. how his hand of favor and protection is on us, even in like really excruciating, painful times, you will be delivered by returning and resting. Your strength will lie in quiet confidence. Like that. Mm. Right. Quiet confidence and resting in God. Yes, that his yeah. story is good. So whatever my, whatever exile you're in, whatever excruciating trials that he has us in the midst of, we don't have to question his goodness or our goodness. Mm-hmm. Our good, we, there is no goodness. Like we are mm-hmm. done. He has not right. forgotten. We rest in his goodness and his goodness in our, the midst of our mess yeah. that he knows what he's doing and we're not being punished and we're not because he says, I will never be angry with him again. And that's fulfilled in Jesus. Like he is not yeah. angry with us. We are righteous in Jesus Christ, period. And we quietly rest in whatever circumstances he has us in because his hand is at work. And even though we can't see it, mm-hmm. his hand of protection and deliverance will fight for us. And we just yeah. rest. Yeah. Confidence, confidence in his goodness and him. Oh, it's been such a good restful season. Even in the, awesome. there's crap all around too. Like it's just swirling all around. <laughs> right. It's not like life is a piece of walk in the park right now. Yeah. Should we go to Acts? So. Oh, well, okay. In Jeremiah 23, I feel like I have something cool in the end. Oh, I do too. It's probably the same thing. Go ahead. Okay. Well, Jeremiah 23, the beginning when, I mean, it's obvious it's talking about Jesus versus mm-hmm. five and six times coming when I'll establish a truly righteous David branch, a ruler who knows how to rule justly he'll make sure of justice and keep people united in his time. Judah will be secure again and Israel will live in safety. This is the name they'll give him God who puts everything right. And I was just thinking, like, it was so fun to read Acts this week and hear Peter and Paul. I don't remember who else, who all we heard speak in Acts, but them like pointing every, like, you guys know this, like the prophets have been talking about this. We know you, like, you guys know all the same stuff that we know and pointing as they're like telling people about Jesus, pointing them back and telling that whole story of, and like sometimes they even go back to Egypt and like they tell that whole story of redemption, but they use so much scripture. And this Bible that I'm reading doesn't have any footnotes or cross references. So I can't like follow the trail, but it's just really, it was fun to read that and then read Acts. Obviously it's Jesus. Like the prophets talk about him. Yes. And the church, like this is, like I have church. That's all I have. I have it all that underlined. And then I just wrote church exclamation point. And because I think I was ready, I will gather the remnant of my flock from all the mm-hmm. lands where I have banished them and I will return them to their grazing land. They will become fruitful and numerous. I will raise up shepherds over them who will mm-hmm. tend them, which is totally the apostles in acts. Yes. I'm writing the same thing um, in my margin. I will raise up shepherds over them who will tend them. They will no longer be afraid or discouraged, nor will any be missing. This is the Lord's declaration. And then he says, I will raise up a branch. He's talking about mm-hmm. Jesus. And this is, in, this is the name who he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. I literally was just saying that in regards yes. to talking about like, he is our righteousness. Yeah. 
in all of our met- rest in the righteousness. Yes. We rest in his righteousness. And that just like, exactly. Like I couldn't have said it better. Just thank God we are reading acts and Jeremiah together. Like this fits. And who would so think beautifully. like, that's what I love so much about this reading plan. I was thinking about that this morning. So I've been reading, we talked about this like a while ago, it's summertime and summer is crazy. And we just were got back from traveling for two weeks. And so I've been reading in big chunks. Like this week, I read all of judges in one sitting, all of Jeremiah in one sitting and all of Acts in one sitting, which I do enjoy that in a way. But one of my favorite things about this Bible reading plan is being able to see the connections from one book to the other. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just for me, I think it's easier to do that when I'm reading like a little bit from each spot every day. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to getting back to my normal like routine of following the actual reading plan. But yeah. who would have thought I, okay, maybe lots of people would have, I just don't expect Jeremiah and Acts to be so connected. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course they are because it's the prophets and now it's like, but to see it so clearly has been pretty fun. Yes. Speaking of which, well, even like it doesn't fit with Acts, but I think I'm wondering if you were seeing the same thing I was. So I'm going to let you talk about the end of Jeremiah's reading today. Oh, I was going to make you go first. It was in 26. I feel like I always go first. Okay. Well, it might be totally different. I just, the yeah. thing that I thought was kind of cool. So this is when Jeremiah gets in trouble, uh-huh. right? They mob Jeremiah and Jeremiah says, do whatever you think is best, whatever you want to do. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of thought was Jeremiah was miserable. Like this whole thing that God called him to do, he was not a huge fan of. And so I could totally put myself in his shoes and be like, yep just kill me now. Like I would love to be done. Like that's like what Paul, I was thinking. Like Paul, yes. yeah, to die is game. Yeah, take my yeah. life. Like um, this is not fun for me anyway. And so, yep, you just take care of me. Yes. Well, that is not what happened. The court, it says in verse 16, the court officials backed by the people handed down their ruling, which was a acquittal, no death sentence for this man. He has spoken to us with the authority of our God, mm-hmm. which I was like, how did they know, like this they recognized a- God's voice? Like, how did they know? Annika, this is a total foreshadowing of Christ. Oh, oh yeah. Jeremiah. Yeah. Jeremiah. And the way that the, the actual, the, the, um, the, the priests are who wanted to kill him and yes. the, and the courts are who wanted to let him go. Like the, the, right. the city, the government is who wanted to let him right, go. But the like people. Yeah. 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 Totally. You're right. He was like, and because literally it says this, the, even the same reason, like Jesus was supposed to be killed. The only reason they could find to kill him was because he said that the temple will be torn down and rebuilt in three days. And literally they said, this man deserves the death sentence because he has prophesied, prophesied against the city, as against you have heard with your own temple. ears. Yeah. It's like almost like word for word, yeah. exactly the same execution. And Jeremiah's response is the same as the Lord's, which is like, it actually says, but know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood on yourselves, mm-hmm. on the city and on its residents. And sure enough, like that's what Jeremiah does. Although Jesus is like, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what mm-hmm. they do. Like it's a total reversal right, different. of yeah. it. But anyway, then I yeah, was looking, just catch. like you said, it was really cool. Yeah. So I was just saying, how do they know? We've talked often about that whole idea of like, my sheep know my voice. And I was like, how did they know that this was God? Because they obviously aren't, maybe they, I mean, they were the pre, the court of, I don't know. Some of the elders of the land stood up and said to the assembled people, 
because who it was the priests, right? It was the the, the temple officials. Yes, the so priests officials and the from prophets. the royal court of Judah. In mine, it says it in verse. Oh, but he is preaching in the temple, so it makes sense that the priests were part of this for sure. Right, and so now it's well. Okay, so everybody there, priests, prophets, and people heard Jeremiah, and they the priests and prophets and people all grabbed him, yelling. This is verses. Yes, 17. and then in verse sixteen, it says the officials and all the people. Uh, it says of the land, the elders of the land stood up and said to all the assembled people. So it makes me think that these are more like government council. Okay. Rather yes. than Mind temple it, council. Yes. Mine translated, translates it as court officials, the court officials backed by the people handed down their ruling to the priests and the prophets. So you're right. Yeah. Like in that whole idea, the priests and the prophets and the people were like, kill him, kill him, kill him. And the rulers of the land were like, nope. Nope. He's there's something said, going on I can't here. find anything wrong with what he's doing. Right. And the yeah. fact, so, okay. What does your translation say in verse 16? That the th- cause the thing that stuck out to me was the reason that they gave for acquitting him. He has spoken to us with the authority of our God. Yes. This man doesn't deserve the death sentence for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord, our God. Yeah. So yeah. that, I don't know, that just like caught me off guard that these court officials would be like, Oh no, no, he's the real deal. Yeah. But it's, it's weird that it's like the lay people. It's like the lay right. people who recognize that because they're people of God. There's it's the land is Israel. So it's people who know the God of armies. Right. But it's just weird that it's the lay people that are like, I mean, we heard the prophets in the past tell us this. He's only confirming right. what the prophets have told us before. It's like they recognize it while the priests and the, and the prophets don't recognize it. It's so right. like, it's so illustrative of Jesus's, the lay people get it. Yes. And the priest and the prophet well, then, should know, so you, don't. Right. So then if you keep reading verses 17 through 19. Mm-hmm. So mine says some of the respected leaders stood up and addressed the crowd. And they go through this whole like history of Hezekiah and Micah, this other prophet that came and preached to Hezekiah and basically was like, look out, guys, something's like calamity is coming. Yeah. And they say... Like, don't you remember when that happened? Like, how can you not remember that? This is happening again. Mm-hmm. And so they, like you, same what you were just saying, it's people, I guess, respected leaders, but they're not court officials or priests or they're just city people is what it sounds like. They mm-hmm. are the ones that are like, uh, hey guys, we should pay attention. So cool. I loved that. That there were people willing to hear, which shows that like Jeremiah wasn't, I think of Jeremiah as completely purposeless. Like he just spoke and nobody listened. But mm-hmm. in reality, like what God is saying is that there were some who were righteous. There were some who were, who heard and were able to hear the word of the Lord. And those are the people mm-hmm. who were pulled into exile. Right. Which I think is cool. I'm reading Tony Evans's CSB. Oh version. yeah. Um, he puts a little thing in there and he said in, in one of the passages that we read in Jeremiah, I've already flipped away from it. It talks about the 70 years that they will be, that they'll suffer. Mm-hmm. And it, it's one of the, like, it's exactly what Daniel used when he talked, mm-hmm. prophesied about what was going to happen. And I was like, oh, well, like that is clear as day. Somebody was listening. Like Daniel was listening. Daniel heard it. And that's why he's prophesied. Like he can prophesy about what's going to happen or knows how long it's going to be because mm-hmm. he was listening to Jeremiah. And that's how we got the 70 years. Hmm. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of one of those like reassuring, like people were listening. Mm-hmm. People are and listening. Then, Not everybody's listening, but right. people are listening. But then even thinking about it, like in light of Acts and the fact that we have Jeremiah now, that Jeremiah's message was for then. 
but yeah. it's also for the church at the very beginning. And mm-hmm. it's also for now, just the way that, yes, just because not everyone was listening then doesn't mean we can't listen now. So Acts was really fun this week, but I think if I could pick one thing, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about a lot more, but okay. You, you, before we started recording, we talked about Acts 15. Mm-hmm. So I loved Acts 15 this week too. But before I got to Acts 15 in Acts 11, this is Peter, right? Yeah. Peter's Peter sermon. So I love in verse four, Peter starting because they ask him all these questions. Like, what about circumcision? Like, that's what they're asking him mm-hmm. because now the non, so this is actually what my translation says at the very beginning, they heard the people in Jerusalem heard that the non-Jewish outsiders were now in which I loved that, but they're like, wait a second, because that is so anti anything that their culture has ever known, except that it kind of isn't because God always made a way, even way back in Israel for foreigners to come in, but they had to be circumcised. Like that Mm -hmm. was the thing. So in verse four, it says, Peter, starting from the beginning, laid it out for them step-by-step, which I love. He's just like, all right, I'm telling you all the details of the story. So you can get the whole picture. He tells Mm -hmm. them about his vision that he sees. Then right after the vision, the, the three men show up to take him to Caesarea. That's where the first, like he was a Gentile. And that's how Peter recognizes that like, okay, this gospel is for everyone now too, because God had given him that vision with the food. But in verse 15, 15 through 17. So I started, this is still Peter talking. So I started in talking before I had spoken half a dozen sentences, the Holy spirit fell on them just as he did on us the first time. I remember Jesus's words. John baptized with water, you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So I ask you, if God gave the same exact exact gift to them as to us when we believed in the master, Jesus Christ, how could I object to God? Like that whole thing is awesome. But the thing that hit me was I remembered Jesus's words. And I was just thinking like we, we talk, we talk about Jesus, that whole, like, what would Jesus do thing came back to me. Well, then in 15, your mouth is agape. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. So starting maybe in this. So, okay. So that's what, that's what hit me in 11 was that whole, that Peter's like, remember, I remember Jesus's words. Like, let's remember what Jesus told us to do. Like, obviously we know Jesus, we know his character. We know the character of God. Like this shouldn't be mind blowing that he's bringing outsiders in because that's who Jesus was. Well, then this is Peter talking again, but this is this is in that whole discussion, correct me if I'm wrong, of the leaders about circumcision. Okay. This is the church leaders discussing what they're going to do about this whole circumcision thing. Like, do uh-huh. we make them be circumcised? Do we not make them be circumcised? So in verse maybe seven-ish, it says, Peter, takes, Peter took the floor. Friends, you well know that from early on, God made it quite plain that he wanted the pagans to hear the message of this good news and embrace it. And not in any secondhand or roundabout way, but firsthand straight from my mouth. And God, who can't be fooled by any pretense on our part, but always knows a person's thoughts, gave them the Holy Spirit exactly as he gave them to us, which was his argument before in chapter 11. Mm-hmm. He treated the outsiders exactly as he treated us, beginning at the very center of who they were and working from that center outward, cleaning up their lives as they trusted and believed in him, which is so cool. Like that right there, Jesus, that whole idea, like you don't have to be clean to come to Jesus. Like uh-huh. he, you come as you are, and he is going to do that through the Holy Spirit yes. as you walk with him. 
So why are you now trying to out God, God, loading these new believers down with rules that crushed our ancestors and crushed us too? Don't we believe that we are saved because the master Jesus amazingly and out of sheer generosity moved to save us just as he did those from beyond our nation? So what mm-hmm. are we arguing about? And I just like, as soon as I read that, I thought back to that whole thing in chapter 11, where Peter was like, I remembered what Jesus said. And it just made me think so much like, so these are four leaders of the early church and they're trying to figure out this major issue. Like this is a big deal to them in their culture. And Jesus has already come in and turned their whole world upside down. And now they're trying to figure out how that fits in with this culture that they've always been a part of. And now they're bringing people in. And I just was thinking like, they're going back to this Jesus that some of them walked with. And they're like, well, how would Jesus have handled it? Jesus wouldn't have put this weight on them of like, Mm -hmm. you have to do this thing. Jesus would have brought them in and cleaned up their lives as they trusted and believed in him. So it just, for me, it was like a really, like you and I have talked about that whole idea of like faith, hope, and love. That's all, that's all that matters. That's what mattered to Jesus. So like for, like, it was just a really, I was like, well, there it is. Like what that whole like cheesy nineties, what would Jesus do thing is a real valid question like at the council of nicaea yeah yes like what and it's such a like jesus would love but like end of the day jesus would welcome and he would love and so that i don't know i thought that was pretty cool okay so what you were saying about peter saying um quoting jesus paul in chapter 13 is this part of our reading 13 Mm -hmm. in chapter 13 From this man's descendants, as he promised, God brought to Israel the Savior Jesus. Before his coming to public attention, John had previously proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. Now, as John was completing his mission, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not the one, but one is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the sandals of his feet. I'm actually reading this with you because our pastor just preached on it this week. I'm pretty sure if we go to John 1, I think I have made a really cool connection. This was John's testimony when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, who are you? He didn't deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. What then? They asked him, are you Elijah? I am not. He said, are you a prophet? No. He answered, who are you then? They asked, we need to give an answer to those who sent us, who can tell us who about yourself. He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the past, just as Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. So they asked him, what then do you baptize if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah the prophet? I baptize with water. John answered them. Someone stands among you, but you do not know him. He is the one coming after me whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to untie. All this happened in Bethany. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is Paul, the Pharisee. The Pharisees sent them to find out from John who he was. Like this is the message that was sent back to Paul. And Paul's like part of that group. Yeah. I'm sure that like, I'm sure that like the message was going to all the Pharisees Mm -hmm. all around the area. This is what's happening. This is who John is. This is what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And this is who he claims to be. So Paul would have certainly gotten that message. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, he's reporting that. Yes. He's repeating. Yes. I was part of this. Like, this is my part of the story. I heard back from John as a Pharisee that he is, who do you think I am? I'm not the one, but one is coming after me and I'm not worthy to untie the sandals on his feet. Isn't that cool? I never like, I never thought about John specifically speaking to the Pharisees 
Paul's reporting back. Like he was paying attention. Like I was there, like mm-hmm. I was hearing everything that was going on and this was, was reported back mm-hmm. to me and now it all fits. Right. Like Paul's putting the Holy spirit is like putting all those pieces together for them. So cool. Well, like he talks a lot about the prophets. They did just what the prophets said they would do, but they had no idea they were following to the letter the script of the prophets, even though those same prophets are read every Sabbath in their meeting places. Like I just, and then, I mean, Peter quotes Old Testament several times. It just was. Yes. And Paul's like, I get it. I didn't get it. Yeah, I didn't get it either. I read it every day. I read it. I read it more than anybody else ever read it. And I didn't get it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this is what it means. Yeah. And, And he's more aware than anybody else that only the Holy spirit can reveal it to the people that are listening to him. Like some mm-hmm. are going to get it and some are not. And he has no control over any of it. Cause yeah, it's the Holy spirit. Okay. Um, so I loved the description of Barnabas at the end of 11 verse, maybe 24. Um, yes. They send Barnabas to Antioch to check on things from Jerusalem. And as soon as he arrived, he saw that God was behind and in it all. He threw himself in with them, got behind them, urging them to stay with it the rest of their lives. He was a good man that way, enthusiastic and confident in the Holy Spirit's ways. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. You know what else I noticed in that same chapter? I think it might be in the same place. It says in 27, in those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and predicted, predicted by the spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. Each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They raised and sent relief to a group of people who did not need relief yet because they trusted and believed that God was going to do Mm -hmm. what they heard in a prophecy. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting too, which is another one of those, like when I was listening to the Bible project guys about prophetic literature and like, how do we know? They just knew because they were in, they knew they had the spirit. They were walking in the Holy spirit. Yes. And so they, they heard this man speak and they knew. By the time they got there, cause that's a long trip. By the time they right. got there, their provision was met because God had told them in advance that they were going to need provision. Yeah. What? I know. My this mind. is the way the church works right now. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole, like, I think I said this a few weeks ago. I know I said something about just like my perspective of how God is capable of working has like broadened a ton and reading acts with that is really fun. Cause I'm totally like, I mean, anything can happen really (laughs) anything can happen because I like, that's how he works. Like that's what he does. And there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You cannot explain it. It doesn't make any sense. It often sounds crazy. But and, I mean, yes, who am I and, to argue with that? <laughs> mm-hmm. And when you think about like, I can't go into the details right now, but when you think about how exactly what is happening with Peter and the Jerusalem council is exactly what I needed to hear about yeah. what I'm going through and what I like, yeah. what I think we should do right now, like how the word of God was meant for them, but it was also prophetic and that we can look at things that don't apply precisely, but they apply really precisely, you know, yeah. to things that are yeah. different circumstances in that way. Like when I say, I think I got a re- I think I got revelation from our reading in acts today. Like, that's what that means is that like, mm-hmm. there's something that happened to Peter and Paul that I'm like, this is exactly 
what we needed to hear. Cause this is exactly mm-hmm. how we should act right now and trust mm-hmm. that God's going to, and he does, he works these parallel lines. Like mm-hmm. I trust, I really trust and believe that if we do this, the way that God has outlined for us in this story in acts, that we're going to see parallel outcomes from mm-hmm. what we see happening in acts. Acts 15. Yeah. When they um, are trying to decide what to do about this whole circumcision thing. Uh-huh. That also was, I mean, you and I have talked a lot. I don't know how much of it has been on the recap, probably a significant amount, but just that, I mean, I guess it kind of goes back to that faith, hope, and love thing that like we can, that believers can come to scripture and leave with a different um, application or interpret things differently when it comes to like how the church functions or whatever. Like there are lots of different theologies out there, but the gospel is the thing that matters. And so Mm -hmm. I loved like these guys get together and they have this debate (laughs) and argument. Yeah. Like it was, I mean, they're all coming at it from different sides. This is a lot of opinion. Um, um, I want to, like, I love the words. Like, there's a couple of different places where it says that they. Yes. It was like heated. There had been yes. much debate. Um, after there had been much debate, Peter stood up. And then there was something else earlier. Where the arguments were, went on and on yes. is what one of mine says. Yes. Um, so that's like. And then, like, yeah. there's dead silence at one point after Paul, after Peter speaks. That section that I was reading before about, like, Jesus. Um saving them regardless of, and, and that he would clean up their lives as they trusted in hands with how, what are we arguing about? And there's dead silence. Like that sounds like tension to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like this is a tense conversation that they're having about this. Well, then in the end, they decide they come to a decision in like verses 19 through 21, they decide that they're going to write a letter to these churches and their conclusion is it's in verses 28 and 29. It seemed to the Holy Spirit and to us. Yes. I love that. Like, yes. The like Holy Spirit we, decided. Yes. Like, and, and, and their recognition of the fact that like, yes, we had this heated conversation, but that's what the Holy Spirit used. Like God works through all of that. He was present and he gave up, like, he's the one that brought us to this conclusion. Yeah. So it seemed to the Holy spirit and to us that you should not be saddled with any crushing burden. I don't know how the CSB says it, but I love this, but be responsible only for these bare necessities. So they list three things, like as far as like, um, how you should act that they say Mm -hmm. matter. Don't get involved with activities connected with idols. Avoid serving food offensive to Jewish Christians, blood, for instance, which that is like a think that like that's a general like try not to be offensive like not being in community together yeah. yeah love love people yeah and guard the morality of sex and marriage those are the th- three three things these guidelines are sufficient to keep relations congenial between us god be with you like i just love that they're like okay this one thing yes. doesn't really matter that much like we're going to talk yes. about and then in verse in act 16 Yes. Verses four and five, as they travel from town to town, they presented the simple guidelines the Jerusalem apostles and leaders had come up with that turned out to be most helpful. Day after day, the congregations became stronger in faith and larger in size because they were unified, because they weren't fighting over nitpicky. Versus that? This versus four and five. What, what does yours say? 16? Yes. Oh, 
you skipped three. <laughs> what does three say? Read it. on the first page. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole thing about Paul. Right. I like, you helped me. That was helpful to have that conversation with you. When I read that before, I was like, dang it, Paul. So Paul, so I, we just can't skip over it because I no, think it's you're right. so Go ahead. good. So Paul, it is so good. <laughs> Paul wanted to take Timothy. Okay. This, they literally just work this whole thing out. Paul doesn't want people to mm-hmm. have to be circumcised. Some people want them to have to be circumcised. Peter ultimately is like, nobody has to be circumcised. It's the Holy Spirit's decision in ours. And then Paul, who was the originator of the whole, like, people don't have to be circumcised thing. He says, Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. So he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. So, and then it goes on to say exactly what you were saying. Um, and I was like, that's honestly, if I had not had the conversation with my husband yesterday, where he was like, you can't tell me that there aren't people who are living according to this law that bothers you, that there is not good gospel messages going forth and people being freed. You cannot tell me that that's not happening. And I was like, no, I can't, I can't tell mm-hmm. you that. And so like that, like that to me is exactly Paul's going, okay, if we're going to this place and these are the people that we want to minister to, this is something that's going to be important to them. And so even yeah. though we have the freedom not to, right, because we want to get through to them and God is capable of working even with this law in place, because he's working with that law in place in Jerusalem. He's like, God is clearly capable of working the freedom of the gospel in the midst of all of this. And so for the sake of those people, they give up this freedom that they have to make sure that the gospel goes forth. Mm -hmm. And so just this, every, I was just talking to my friend, Andrea, we were talking about raising girls and modesty and purity culture and how it's, it really all comes down to the heart. Like everything comes down to the heart and considering your brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and also your own freedom. And it's a balance that there's no right mm-hmm. and wrong answer in everything that we do. We have to go, what's going to be the thing that is the most God glorifying thing mm-hmm. that I can do in this situation. What would Jesus do? Right. <laughs> and sometimes it's wear the bikini to the beach. And sometimes it's, I'm going to take my one piece right. and maybe keep shorts on. I don't know. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. That, and that's the, like, there's like, these are just frustrating conversations to have mm-hmm. where you're like, you know what? I can't. Cause you want it to be black and white. You want yes. it to be like, across the board all the time. Easy. That's just not how it works. And I just want my freedom. I want my freedom mm-hmm. all the time. And mm-hmm. what Paul is saying here is, you know, it's not always what Jesus, that's not always how it's going to work for Jesus. It's not going to mm-hmm. be the most God glorifying thing to live in our freedom. Mm-hmm. Anyway, super cool. Yeah. We have got to wrap up. Yeah, whoa. Okay, I think I'm done. Okay. That's the recap. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the recap. If you enjoyed this discussion, and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org, and we will see you next week. <laughs>